The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? America, you've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about Kumbaya and Flat Earth insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for Coffee with a Dog. You make me laugh. Do not. I do not make you laugh. You. You. Make me laugh. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh. Oh. You got to love this man, don't you? They rock. Unless you don't love this man. But they still rock, whether you like them or not. That's the way it is. Some things are just the way they are. Oh, good morning, folks. It is Monday. Monday, June 26, 2023. Uh, kind of an eerie morning out. Um, got up early, went to take the trash out, because Monday's trash day here. And um, God forbid the trash doesn't get out. But man, it's kind of like I woke up. It was like a sci-fi movie where the end of the world uh, and you're the only person left living. And you don't you haven't realized it yet. But that's how quiet and eerie it is. Summer came back yesterday with full blast. Uh, but it's a little chilly this morning. But it should get. What, what's the forecast? This is uh, my weather forecast. <laughs> uh I love that cough, that good old cough. Where's the weather app on this dopey phone? Fucking YouTube getting in my way. YouTube, get the fuck out of my way. I hate I hate when shit just drives me crazy, and there's a lot of shit that drives me crazy. Now, I'm already cursing, so uh, YouTube once again demonetizing me like a bastard. Oh, no, we're looking at rain and thunderstorms today, high of 77. I'm just caring about... Saturday, because I have an outdoor gig Saturday. What's my gig Friday? No, indoor gig Friday, so that's cool. Um, We are living in the weirdest fucking timeline ever, man. Uh, On Friday, did the show, got high, hanging out, uh, and uh, had some work to do, but I got high, and I couldn't remember what work I had to do. I checked Twitter. Oh, there's a coup going on in Russia all of a sudden. And by the and it's only on Twitter now. Nowhere else. It's not on the mainstream news. Uh coup going on uh in Russia. Uh and things are changing by the minute. This guy, uh the pierogi chef, I can't say his name. Uh 
Pierogian, pierog, pierogi chef, um, is taking over uh, Rostov, and he's on his way to Moscow, and things are changing by the moment. Oh, Putin's on the run. Putin left the country to run for his life. Uh, and then things are going on, and hours going by, and it, it's and still nothing anywhere. But Twitter, I'm like, what the fuck? Is this made up? Is this, why is this only on Twitter? Well, and all of a sudden, in the middle of winning a civil war, a coup, taking over the country 50 miles from Moscow, eh, I changed my mind. I'm going to go to Belarus. What? What the fuck kind of timeline are we on where nobody, nobody who stages a coup and and has an easy win of it changes their mind midstream? You know what? I thought it all. Listen, you, there's a death sentence on you now. You don't think just because Putin says he's not going to try and kill you now that he's not going to try and kill you now. You just don't quit. Once you see, once you commit to a coup, you got to go through with it because if you don't take over the country, you're a dead man. So we're going to be one less pierogi chef. Uh, <laughs> it, Pierogies, uh, I don't think they have chefs that are exclusive to pierogies. I like pierogies, don't get me wrong. But I think uh, if you go to culinary, culinary, culinary school, you're going to learn more than just pierogies. And the guy's name, he probably never cooked a pierogi in his life. His name just sounds like pierogi. Anyway, it's just so frigging weird that I don't know what to make of it. Uh, and... It, it still hasn't been made clear what the hell that, that was all about. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of conjecture that um, he, Putin and him made a deal for Belarus. Like, you, you can't just do that. If you're Russia, you can't just say, it's like, imagine Biden say, you know what? We'll give you Mexico. Mexico doesn't get a say. Belarus doesn't get a say. We can't just give another country to somebody who's trying to take over your country. I'll tell you what. You can't have us, but we'll give you Canada. Well, is that okay? And when Canada's like, what the fuck? We don't, we don't have anything to say here. You're giving us away. I can't imagine. And not, nothing from the people in Belarus. They're like, yeah, all right, gave us away. Fuck it. I guess so. Uh, weirdest fucking timeline ever, folks. And uh, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I, they People are saying uh, Putin has been weakened by this. I don't see how that happens because he comes back now and he just kills everybody that... Uh, and listen, this uh, pierogi chef guy, he got the people in Rostov all riled up. Yeah, fuck Putin. We're going to take over the country. Now they're all chanting out in the street, and Putin's like, taking down the, uh, who's there? Uh, all right, kill that one, kill that one, kill that one. And now all those people that he riled up are on the death list. And you could say, oh, well, he promised he wouldn't. <laughs> promise. I promised I wouldn't come in your mouth. Hey, <laughs> things happen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just, um, I don't know what, uh, it's the weirdest time to be alive. Every day in the news, there's a what the fuck is the world coming to 
kind of story. Something that just makes you say, I live my whole life without this kind of craziness. It, things don't get crazier than this. And then the next day, it's crazier than that. Thank God I'm not going to be alive much longer. Thank God. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Lifting, bench pressing 115 pounds six times, needing a help of a squatter on the sixth rep. Uh, is acting like that makes him a, a tough guy. 115 pounds. Listen, I was bench pressing 115 pounds when I was 13 years old and doing reps at 30. At 13 years old. No man should be bragging about. I don't care. He's 69. He's roughly my age. And he's bragging about bench pressing 115 pounds. I promise you, if I go back to the gym, I haven't been to the gym in seven years, I could pick up 200 pounds and do it 10 reps without a spotter. No problem. That's what I start at. So for him to be bragging about being jacked, struggling to get six reps and 115 pounds, it's kind of weird and humiliating for him, but he doesn't he doesn't feel humiliation because he's part of this American legacy of Kennedyism. He's uh, basically given everything, every benefit just by virtue of his last name. Um, but then he did, uh, he struggled to do nine push-ups. He only got through eight and then took a knee on the ninth one, which is, again, humiliating. But it, the point here is he's saying that that makes him more fit to be president. Now, I will stipulate that Biden probably can't do one of either the bench press or the uh, push-ups. Trump probably, too. I would I would probably be shocked if Trump could do the bench press or the push-ups at all. I don't he's see you could say Trump is an idiot but he's smart enough not to even try that. Uh but also so Trump and Biden probably can do either of that but also probably DeSantis. I would I'd say DeSantis would probably have a hard time doing any but none of that matters. Is Bench pressing in the job description of president of the United States, I don't think so. I don't want a guy who can bench press. I want a guy who knows how to deal with diplomacy, with foreign affairs. I want a guy who understands economic markets. I want a guy who understands dealing with crises. I want somebody who knows the job of the president. I don't want somebody who's auditioning for pool boy. Go ahead, run for pool boy. You got my vote. Pool boy. RFK Jr. Pool boy. Now, um, <laughs> good morning, Ian. Good morning, Craig, you know, over in the chat room there. Ian's saying arm wrestling should be part of the presidential debate. <laughs> uh, well, Arnold, Arnold could get into it and just even fat old Arnold would wipe the... Uh, like the field away in that case. What do we want? We want strongman competitions for a president? I mean, that was what it, idiocracy was about, right? Uh, well, not what it was about, but that was part of the being president in the movie Idiocracy. Anyway, back to RFK Jr. If you recall, last week 
or the week before now. It's, it, again, things fly by. Him and Rogan were trying to bully Peter Hotez into debating uh, on Rogan's podcast. I say uh, what's good for the goose is good for the RFK Jr. Um, and yesterday, I challenged him <laughs> to come on this program for a debate. Not necessarily with me. I mean, I think I could beat him in a debate. But I would get Sam Cedar or somebody somebody who would love to partake in that. And I'd be the moderator. And I, I would like your help in that if you are <laughs> so inclined to help me in any way. Go on. Twitter and give him a little of his own med- and I'm dead serious about this. Now he's not going to do it. Like who the fuck is Mind Dog? I, I'm not going on no fucking Mind Dog. I never heard of no Mind Dog. What is a Mind Dog? But it would be a good, a good thing to kind of just give him a little taste of it. And if he did do it, I would be automatically famous overnight, and and I'll take all of you with me on the road to fame and fortune. So so do it. Challenge him. Say you know go on Mind Dog for a debate. Come on, you, you're challenging, and you're saying if Peter Hotez doesn't go on Rogan to debate you, he's a coward. Well, go on uh, Mind Dog and debate Sam Cedar, or you're a coward. This is just, you know, put your money where your mouth is, and you got lots of money, so put it where your mouth is. What did Robert Kennedy, Robert Kennedy Jr., what the hell did he ever do? What is his resume? What is his resume? Um, lastly, before uh, I bring John in, uh, wanted to talk about. I get no respect, I tell you. <laughs> I have a form on the website for people to request to be on the program and put out often that you know, comedians are welcome at all levels, and I generally, uh, and genuinely don't care where you are in the totem pole of success in show business. Comedians, musicians, filmmakers, authors, any of them are welcome to ask to be on the program. And I got three in a week that were scheduled for this week. And two of them so and it's it says quite clearly in both my invitation that's on the web and all this stuff and on the booking page that the show is live live l i v e live not live live nine a m to eleven a m eastern time and you can pick a date but and a time and they come back with i want Monday the 26th at 4 p.m. Well, it's live 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. I ain't doing that, man. What do you mean you ain't doing that? I'm just reading that into an email. Of course, but he says, I ain't doing that, man. So the, the voice probably wasn't that assertive. I ain't doing that, man. Okay, but you picked the time. No, I I picked 9 p.m. Well, in the email, it says 4 p.m. But we don't do 4 p.m. We don't do 9 p.m. The show is 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. You want me? You catered to my schedule. Wait. Wait. The guy I'm talking about, first of all, has been in comedy 14 years, doesn't have a bio 
on the web anywhere. Doesn't have a website. He's got an Instagram page, no bio, nothing written up about him. 14 years in the business, and I promise you, you never heard of him. I'm not going to say his name. Um, and and it, it's just incredible, the attitude of entitlement and the disrespect for that I, listen, I'm not, I'm not fooling myself. I promise you that. But I have, and people know this, if you follow this show, I have and will take somebody who is dead on the program and make them seem somewhat alive uh, by, you know, trying to drag personality out of them. I, I have had people who have actually nothing to say. They request to come on a program and they just want to sit there and listen to me talk. And I, because I have experience, enough experience to deal with that, most of the time I can dig myself out of this is going to be an awfully boring interview and make something of it. This is an opportunity for you, whether you are looking to promote something or just trying to hone your interview skill to understand if you're going to be a success in entertainment, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. Not with me. You're going to have to do it with, I don't know, whoever, Joe Rogan, I guess. You're going to have to do it with eventually. If you're going to be a success, you might as well get some practice at it. But to totally disrespect me like I am nothing and I should just kiss your ass to be on my shelf. I could do it. And you've seen me do it plenty of times. Do an hour and 15 minutes, two hours sometimes, all by myself, just rambling like I am now. I've already skirted past my 15-minute mark where I'm supposed to uh, bring in my guest who was kind enough and respectful enough to come in this morning to replace the entitlement people. Uh, so, you know what? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how we get past uh, teaching people what the business is all about and understanding your place in the business and understanding a little bit of humility, especially when you're starting out. I can understand somebody like Bill Burr <laughs> having a real chip on his shoulder and, and an attitude. And I bring him up specifically because I saw him on a, uh, two different podcasts uh, some recently uh, where he did, clearly didn't want to be there. I'm just there to promote my stuff, and he made a fool of the host. He really abused him. It doesn't make me not like Bill Burr. I understand Bill Burr but a little bit on that. He's just an angry guy. It's part of his shtick. And if you can't handle it, he's going to filly you. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, you probably haven't been following comedy uh, very long. Anyway. I just want to put that out there because I had three of them for this week or, you know, nine to 11. Oh, I want to do it because uh, I'm in uh, BC. Another person. I want to do it at one o'clock in the afternoon. My time. <laughs> if you were on if Howard Stern, God, you know, and Howard Stern's not anything anymore, but. Or he, I guess he is, because he's got all these movie stars and rock stars on all the time. I don't know anybody who's paying for Sirius to listen to Howard Stern anymore. But if you were scheduled to be on Howard Stern, would you ask Howard Stern? I'm not saying I'm on Howard Stern's level. I'm just saying when you ask him to do his show at, at, a, at 
it's at your time to make it convenient for him, for you. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Words are just coming out of my mouth. It's like word salad. Lastly, before I, I bring John in, Sticks and Stones Comedy Club opening up Friday evening. Uh, oh, God, I just hid the posters from myself. Uh, <laughs> but um, Friday is the grand opening, Friday, June, uh, June 30th. Uh, 7.30 and 9 p.m. shows, Southampton. This is a good thing. And really quickly, during the pandemic, people were talking about this could be a good thing for the creative arts. You know, people were saying that every time we go through something like the pandemic and we had one with the Spanish flu and we've had, you know, all sorts of things like that in the past, every time even the Great Depression, when, when America has hit like periods of hardship, we rebound with a, an enormous wave of creativity. And I thought, well, that's optimistic thinking and a nice thought to hold on to. But, uh, but it, did seem, it does on some level seem to be happening. We've seen several comedy clubs open up here, comedy theaters, uh, music theaters, um, Lots of different venues that are opening up. And this week, I'm proud to be part of um, the Sticks and Stones grand opening. Uh, and we will have some of their guests coming on, or some of their uh, lineup coming on to promote shows in the next couple of weeks. And I'm really proud to be part of that. And I'm glad that comedy clubs are opening up again, because usually it goes the other way. I've seen so many times, you know, comedy clubs closing, Caroline's, and, you know, all of them. You're well aware of them. So it's a good thing that they're opening up again. My next guest, my first guest, my only guest today, nice enough to see I have, uh, I'm in need and said, I can pinch hit. I got a new room <laughs> or I got a new setup. And uh, he is the proprietor of uh, several things, the comedy carousel and the road comics of America. And he's an all around good guy with some uh, useful knowledge, uh, constructive knowledge for people in the business. Welcome back. Ah, hello. How's it going, man? Hey, what the hell? I've been uh, I've been messing with some VFX trickery. If you can't tell, I know. I, you know what? <laughs> you, you got it from an old one where my speaker wasn't in front of the guitar. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I love yeah. it. I love it. it yeah. Almost looks like we're in the same room together yeah oh actually believe it or not the same software i've been using they it can extend uh scenes so it can use ai to draw the rest of the room that isn't really there nice um yeah it can do some really really neat things with in painting and um you know all kinds bring, of fun stuff. can it bring me in a hot like uh guest host like a like playboy bony uh, it guest probably host. could at this point like at the pace that we're at like yes yes it's definitely a way to do that uh, yeah, I'm, work, you, I'm working on it. Okay, what can I say? I, no, I appreciate. So I appreciate you being on the forefront of technology, so I don't have to be. <laughs> Listen, I want. I don't have the time to learn to use that software. I I have it. Um, I, I feel. I, I kind of brought this up last week. I feel like I did in the early '90s when HTML was the the buzz. People were learning to do websites, and I was like way behind the curve, and I had to jump in and in the beginning it was so intimidating that i didn't want to do it i eventually uh conquered it it was all this time yeah, yeah i'm going through that exact same thing with a buddy of mine uh named christian lenaro he's an um, he's an awesome guitarist 
um and singer like songwriter vocalist uh he sings like folk music he's traveled all over busking and like pretty much every state i feel like uh, including hawaii and um and it's he's just he's never garnered this you know the following he deserves and you know it's it's difficult with you know when you don't have a, you know a laptop let alone the skills to be able to you know, do a website and manage this and manage that, you know, he's, you, you put all your time into your art and it's easy to do that. It's really easy to just put all of your time into trying to be the best writer, the best musician, the best comedian, the best, whatever filmmaker, so forth. And it's a little tougher to be a filmmaker these days without learning a few things on a computer, mind you, but, um, you know, no, nobody's out there like you know, shooting film like this and, and developing it as <laughs> like, I don't, think there's any, I don't think there's a lot of uh, eight millimeter filmmakers out there anymore. I'm sure there are, whatever. But um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where like, you know, you can get really caught up in the art side of things, especially because it's, you know, that's that in and of itself takes a lifetime to master. But um, but yeah, there's some technology out there that, you know, if you grit your teeth and get through the frustration and the difficulty and you know, where you're just, you want to quit. I mean, every five minutes, you just, you want to quit. <laughs> like every part of you wants to quit. It's confusing. It's nonsensical at times. And, and, and you just want to pull your hair out. But once you start making breakthroughs with certain things and start having like real understanding of things, um, where it becomes less of something that you're trying to figure out and more something that you feel like you can wield, like it's on your side. It's something that you can like, do um then it, it becomes a, a completely different emotion right then it's you know why did i wait so long to get good at this and 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 think of all this other stuff i can do now you know i can i i can i can do all sorts of stuff and make all sorts of content and then more ideas come and then that that sparks even more creativity on your artistic side right. so like it's delayed gratification but it will make you a better artist overall to learn how to empower yourself using these tools. Um, I totally, I totally get that. And I agree 100%. The, uh, the thing I think that is uh, really different than my experience in the early nineties with HTML by the time PHP came along, it was probably 10 years before I started develop, you know, getting into PHP. Now it, 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 using that analogy, it would be three days before you went from HTML to PHP and then advanced like programming languages, things are changing in AI faster than I, I could ever imagine. So I think like a year from yeah. now, we're going to be seeing like, you know, all sorts of uh, weird and positive developments for artists who can stay up with the curve learning curve, but the people who can't are going to get, get like just washed away. What is a yeah. developing story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm just messing around with stuff. I didn't mean to actually click that. I don't know if this is you. Right. <laughs> I figured you'd appreciate this. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, wait, I got to change the playback. Burning in, in prison back there. No, no, no. It's uh, it's actually Mets Stadium. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's City Field on fire? Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. It's live coverage of the Mets season. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, 
Wow, that is, and that's amazing. It looks real. I mean, I would believe that. Oh no, this is actually there was actually a fire at City Field. Oh, <laughs> like I don't know when it happened, but uh, the, the internet <laughs> I was provides. Say, that's that's pretty know, good AI provides. right there. Thank no, you not to uh, Raul Jimenez. It looks like yeah, and uh, CBS for me stealing this clip. <laughs> wow, I made it my own. You know, I it's it's it is uh, it's comedy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very it's just fun stuff. to mess around with um with some creative things, you know. Like I'm not even really a baseball fan, but I know you are. So I can make I, I'm an old like baseball funny. fan. I'm not yeah. a fan, I'm not a fan of new baseball, but at this point, it is all comic relief for me, and I'm tr- trying to push buttons of real. And it got a little, <laughs> you know, you know the guy I was talking about, the guy who oh yeah, to I kill that. me. That was hilarious. The guy <laughs> I mean, was... over a baseball game, a ba- a comment about baseball, and the odd thing is that. I'm yeah, sure right he's now he's saying the Mets suck. He wanted to kill me for saying the Mets suck three months well, ago. You know, poor, <laughs> poor guy. He um, he's a Mets fan. You know, yeah. Like, uh, pity him. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's. I feel like that's that's only rival. Like, I'm not even a sports guy, and I know that like it's only seconded by like, if you're a Jets fan in terms of heartbreak, like the Mets, like the Mets are going to disappoint you. I feel like as a fan, most seasons, it depends on everybody feels like they, that their, their team has got, you know, Cubs fans had that. The Red Sox fans had that until they won the world series in 2004. I think everybody feels like, you know, Oh yeah, you suffer, but you don't know what our team suffered to. Yeah. They all suck. (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like nobody's got it worse than the Cleveland Browns, you know, (laughs) team. Yeah, it's well, you name you Payne Brown, it's going to be depressing to be to begin with. Brown is a you should call him the the uh, I don't know the yellows. Yellows a happy color. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is true. But let let let's stay on AI for a second because I want to a- ask you about this. Have you, you yourself given any thought to how can I use this? Not just in visual comedy online or any of that stuff. How can I? How can I use this technology in and stand up? Have you thought of like applications for for that use of of helping? No, not really. I don't. I saw somebody post something ludicrous recently, uh, saying that you can put your jokes into Chat GPT and then ask it to rate the jokes, and it'll do a good job of it. And uh, I was just like, that's what audiences are for. Like, you don't really need. Yeah. That. That, yeah um if you have material to test like just go <laughs> go to can, an open mic go to um, an open mic <laughs> if it sucks <laughs> yeah exactly well um, sometimes i i gotta uh, stop myself there because sometimes it's not i know i write great a good good joke but i know i if i if i went up there to deliver them it would not be as like a professional comedian did it and sometimes the delivery even though the joke is good the delivery cannot resonate, you know, if you don't deliver yeah. it. Right. Oh, there's I'm- definitely, I, I've got a friend, um, I've got a friend named Sam that's uh, just just now starting to to write. They they messaged me and they're like, hey, John, like, I want to start writing comedy and like preparing a set to go do my first open mic. And I've known them for years um, and they've never really done comedy or anything like that. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily me that inspired them. They've been watching a lot, a lot, a lot of stand up. I mean, a lot of stand up. Um, in terms of modern stand up comedians, like the comedians on Netflix and stuff, and like having watched their specials, they are way more 
you know, versed and, and steeped in that as of recent than, than I am even. Um, so they've been really nerding out on it. Um, and like, it's really strange because like, you'll, you'll hear somebody and they'll tell you a story. They'll be like, this is something that happened to me. And in their mind, it's so funny. And, and I'm talking about somebody that's, you know, a, a non-comedian, somebody that, that hasn't learned how to structure what they're saying uh, in such a way as to, you know, make it funny uh, to, to put in those beats, so to speak. Um, and, and you can just take somebody's story, um, especially if it's something traumatic that you're like, oh my God, this is kind of uncomfortable for me to listen to um, or like a little too personal or whatever. And you're trying, like your brain is kind of trying to like fidget out of it, right? <laughs> like just trying to like tell yourself a joke to kind of break the tension just inside your own brain. <laughs> and, and you start coming up with punchlines. And in the process of doing that, your brain is, that's what your brain starts doing. It starts writing punchlines that you would never say to that person as a friend, like seriously or something like that. And if you trust somebody, then you can start to apply structure to it. And it's, it's so crazy to me how you can take just about any story and punch it up. You can yeah. do that. As long as you understand the concepts of creative license, where like, Let's say something happens, you can attach a different uh, sentiment to it. Um, for for specifically, this this story was, um, you know, a hiking trip, and um, they have they have like torn ligaments in their in their legs. So their their friend took them, you know, on a on a trip to the mountains uh, for like a five mile hike, right? And um, which was a terrible idea, obviously, with like torn leg like her. Uh, they're like like messed up or whatever so it's like you're, you're so their friends are just like uh you know so i said uh, it dawns on you you know they brought you on the trip because their boyfriends are both eagle scouts and they just want somebody to gimp along to be better than right and you're like, i see what's going on here and then you know and then you write all these other these other things in there that you know for example the other two uh people her uh, you know, like uh, one of the one of the one of the friends or both of the friends injured themselves, and I was trying to tell them that you can you can basically like write anything you want. You know, they they could have fallen off a cliff for all it matters. Um, the audience isn't really concerned with um, absolute truth so long as it's the gist of the truth. Minor details can be tweaked. Timings can be tweaked um, just in order to deliver what you're trying to say. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't have somebody die if somebody didn't really die or something like that. You shouldn't change a, a major plot point. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. I think people do, though, and I'm glad you oh, won sure. here. Cause... People people do, and, and I don't really, you know, I, I try not to, like, embellish too much, uh, especially if I'm telling a narrative form um, of my own stories. Because uh, I do some narrative form, I try to stay away from it because it's kind of low-hanging fruit to just like tell people stories from your life. Um, but it's very useful if you're trying. You know, if if I got booked to do forty-five minutes, you bet your ass I'm going to tell a couple stories. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Um, just because 
to do, you know, I'm not Jackie Martling. Like, I can't just do one-liners for, like, an hour and a half straight. Like, yeah. He, I, I, so, remember like, a joke, every joke book you ever read in your whole life. Um, that's, well, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> you know, everybody I've talked to that, you know, I didn't even know who that guy was. And then some people knew who he was or whatever when I was on with him last time. And they're like, oh, I looked him up. I've never seen that. I've never seen somebody just go for, like, an hour straight. <laughs> with nothing but one-liners it, yeah. and they're all solid it's like yeah not a lot of comedians can do that uh most i, I feel like most are definitely gonna lean on narrative form uh, to do quote-unquote time to do time um so it's definitely a good tool to have like a, a very necessary tool for a modern comedian especially newer comedians that are trying to get competitive in terms of booking like hey hey book me um you can book one comedian instead of five comedians to fill this time because i can do you know 30 minutes or something um yeah it's it's one of those things where like the beats and how you say something are that defines an, a comedian's ability to do narrative form right um if if you don't have that structure you just come off as somebody that's rambling about their life. And it's like, it almost comes off as narcissistic because oh. the audience is, the audience <laughs> is sitting there like, why do I care? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like yeah, this is not like, it seems so conceited to sit up there and just, you know, even if you're complaining, you know, almost especially if you're complaining. Because That's something you say for your spouse at the end of the workday, those kind of like uh, self-indulging stories where it, it and it doesn't yeah. even get to be funny. But the thing I was talking about last week and it sounded like I was bashing on Rogan and basically I was being empathetic to Rogan a little bit. But because I said he uh, I started by saying he was a serial liar. I do think that the vocational hazard of stand up comedy in that. A lot of times. You let your imagination, part of the writing process is to let your imagination be free. And a lot of the times, because uh, we, we saw, I was comparing that Steve Razanisi guy, or whatever, however you say his name, who said he was in World Trade Center and he wasn't and had to, you know, come clean with that. There is this risk of your imagination working its way through your lips and coming out, because Bert Kreischer's whole bit, on the, the machine, the machine yeah. that's completely fabricated. He never went to Moscow, and I know he never went to Moscow because he let really? it slip. He never he let it slip. Listen, oh, what's wow. that, what side of the road do they drive on there? Oh, I should know that. Yeah, if you went there, you should know that. Uh, I don't know that. Well, because driving around town in a strange yeah. country, you don't know what side of the road you were on. Come on, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So, but I don't. But there's a whole thing of a genre yeah, that's, that's, of YouTube. So stuff. I would, I would say that's a bridge too far. If you're, it, I would say this is, is, is as soon as your narrative crosses a moral line, and I don't mean like, oh, you're lying. I mean like, you took an action, and the consequences to it you know, were positive when they would have been negative or negative when they would have been positive. Um, if you're making something up to convince somebody, I'll give you an example. I had a, I had a falling out with a comedian recently who posted a, a really like transphobic joke on Facebook and then immediately deleted it. Um, and I called them out on it and he just denied it, denied it, denied it. Cause he deleted it less than like a minute later. 
right? And I was just like, I saw it, like you know, I mean, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend like you didn't say it, basically. And and his joke was, uh, you know, he he went, he was he was waiting a table or he was at a restaurant or something, and you know, a guy tins bar or something. So I think the narrative was that he was working. And he said that there were two liberal, non-binary, like Biden voters or whatever, um, sitting at a table uh, complaining about, you know, say, oh, you know, saying that um, they don't like how men label them or whatever, but they're non-binary, blah, 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 you know, all, all these labels, you know, that obviously like somebody wouldn't just say it in the way that they said it. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, his punchline was the only label you need is a warning label. And um, I was just like, eh, that's a little tired of a joke. I just called him. I was just like, that's really, you know, one that didn't, ha you know, there's a group on Facebook. It reminds me of is that didn't happen so much or so hard that it, you know, it unhappened things that actually happened. Like, so it's like when you just make something up to try to convince other people to think like you or be like you. Well, that's what Rogan was doing. Definitely. Yeah. Rogan, yeah, Rogan yeah. has this thing. He said he starts a story with. I have a friend who, and it turns out he doesn't have a friend yes. who. He, he read it on the internet or saw right. a video on the internet, and he, he 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 exposes himself every time when he gets called on it by his guy Jamie there, who pulls the uh, facts checks him, and he goes, "But I saw a video. Wait, you started the story with I have a friend who, and a friend, and, yeah. but uh, there are fifteen examples of that at least, and more of him using that same line. Now, I was trying to say that's comedian." vocational hazard where you you you're so used to embellishing or fabricating stuff and maybe even yeah. starting your stories on stage with i have a friend who yeah I, I think that's the difference is i think when you're on stage you have license because it's an act um i feel like podcast and maybe this is just me being you know particular but i feel like when you're on a podcast or um a more informative or uh kind of almost less formal but more formal different it's just different etiquette um it's like this is the real me i'm not putting on right. my act right now i'm not i'm not trying to tell jokes or zingers or be you know I, i'm not trying to do that um this is just me i'm it's me on your podcast talking um right. and and i feel like in that context it would be wrong to make shit up Point blank, I'll say it. I feel like it's it's to to change the narrative at all. Um, I feel like is kind of wrong because, especially because if we are talking about craft, then I should be I should be opening the curtain up and be like, oh yeah, these are all the lies that I, I embellish in my set, you know, that make right. my that that make my act better, um, you know. As a result, I, I, of, I would of doing say that. I would say you hit on it before. If you're trying to influence somebody to think, so, if you're just being silly, because Dylan Brody was on here and he told me a story about him pulling into a uh, gas station and there were two black guys there and he he had Taylor Swift uh, blasting on his radio and he went over to apologize to the black guy. I turned it down because I didn't want to be the white guy uh, playing Taylor Swift when I pulled. But he that was a a made up story for comedic and I, yeah. I I didn't tell it well. But it was just trying to make me laugh. He wasn't trying nobody to convince got, me. Nobody got hurt, and you know he didn't say, "Oh, and these you know these black guys tried to beat me up because I was listening to Taylor Swift or so." He didn't make up something that was to the detriment yeah, of somebody right. else. Exactly. Right. Like he didn't create a narrative that was a false narrative for the purposes of manipulating, um, manipulating something other than laughter or for that laughter to come from a place that isn't naturally already within somebody. Right. Um, 
it's like trying to make a villain so that you can make fun of that villain, um, which is fine so long as it's like an innocuous sort of villain. Like it, it's almost, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of like Pete Holmes. And he talks about like nightmares, you know, what yeah. I mean? like a bad and bad dreams and stuff where it's like whether he really had a dream about opening a box of snakes. And it's like, I made the snakes. My brain made the snakes. And it's like, I was about to open the box and I was, my own brain was like, no, no, don't tell him. It's a great joke. You know, like it's a, this amazing joke. It's like whether or not he really had that dream is completely irrelevant. Yeah. Right. Because it's in service of, 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 of the, the joke itself. And, and it, it takes place completely within like your sort of domain, your realm. And it doesn't extend into making any sort of commentary narrative or, you know, fabrication about anybody else or any other group of people. Um, I think that's when it's, you know, a context that it's sort of okay to do that. But yeah, a lot of comedians, obviously they're, they're like, Oh, I can just make everything up and to be interesting. I yeah. can just, I can just fabricate, you know, trips I've taken that I haven't been to countries I've been to. And, and some, some comedians are even so far as to be like, Oh yeah, I just did a tour to, london or whatever and and they just you know yeah completely full of crap you know like they just make stuff up wow um, yeah i i definitely know yeah. some musicians who do that all the time and uh but uh last night i was watching this thing about the downfall of uh brendan shop now i didn't follow brendan shop's career but um oh, uh, some people is, uh, seem to be obsessed with just you know, burying the guy now or kicking him when he's down and continue to pile on. But uh, apparently uh, they go so far to analyze his traffic and saying, well, he got all of a sudden overnight, he got 250,000 followers, but no interactions, no likes or no comments on this. He's actually buying the, these, this traffic yeah, trying to make bot, bot farts. But that's yeah. really an extraordinary measure to go to to kick a guy when he's down and to do all the, uh, you know, analysis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I would never do that. Um, but, I mean, I also see, like, how, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to get a following, some people are followers and they're not going to follow something unless you have, like, a million followers. And you just buy a million followers, then you'll get 20 million or whatever. Um with the same content that would have gotten not even a million or whatever, if you, you know, in your whole life. So, I mean, I kind of, I kind of get it on some level. You're, you're just sort of tricking the algorithm and, and sticking it to the, yeah to the whole, you know, machine spirit thing. Um, you gotta, really? Yeah. You got, you're kind of hijacking the system. So I, I almost understand it on some level. Um, I would want to go out and figure out how to garner that naturally, personally. Yeah. Um, just cause I feel like, it, that's going to throw your data off from, for somebody from coming from somebody that does this for an actual living. Like I launch real YouTube ads and, and do billboards and, and do like hard, hardcore, hardcore advertising. Um, so like, I, I don't know. I feel like the biggest weapon you have in that fight is good data, actual right. clean data sets that are telling you where your traffic actually comes from, what content is actually effective, which isn't effective. Um, and so if, if you have this constant flood of followers coming in, it's just going to throw all those numbers off artificially. And you're not going to know 
what actually does and doesn't work from a business standpoint. So good way to tra- transition this off of comedians who lie to what you just talked about, because you and I have kind of talked about this a little bit offline, YouTube advertising, advertising in general, but mm-hmm. uh, you, you just mentioned YouTube advertising. And this is something I'm curious about. I have done it in the past. Um, I do know that it, it can be really effective Absolutely. If, it, if it's done right. But my problem is knowing the video that I, knowing what kind, how to produce a video that's going to, because I see all those, you have the option of sk- uh, of skipping it. And I think everybody's going to skip mine because my, I can't be compelling. Yeah. Okay. Saying. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's, that's one thing, you know, you got to think, okay. So what can you put in the first five seconds that's going to get people to not skip? Believe me, I've thought any ideas. A well, joke I'll, is I'll perfect. <laughs> a joke is perfect. A joke is perfect because if you get the setup and you're, you're, there's a thing specifically called the curiosity gap. And the curiosity gap is basically from where our brain lights up. It goes, hmm, what is the answer to that question? Or I don't really know that. Or, right. And then it's the time between that and us getting the answer. And, and that's what hooks people. Um, that's what clickbait is. Clickbait is like, you know, top five things you don't know about, you know, star Wars or whatever the hell. Um, and that'll, and that'll make you go, well, what don't I know about star Wars? Yeah. Click. I have to know now. I have to know what I don't know. Um, that's a very direct kind of beat you over the head with it sort of application. But a joke is same principle, but more subtle because you still want to know what that punchline is, and you're willing to wait, wait for it. And so long as you put the punchline just on the other side of that skip button, well, now they're not looking at it the timer anymore. They're looking at the screen, and if you provide something good then they're going to keep watching. Um, I want to tell people to boycott this guy if you ever see him. He, 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 to the point about... Don't you, point at my name. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Stop pointing at my what, name and telling people is, to boycott this guy. Oh, am I pointing at your name? Oh, yeah. no. Um, what the hell is his name? I can't... He's on YouTube, and he puts... I mean, I know clickbait, and I know titles need to kind of entice people, but this guy outright lies. What's his name? Oh, Cristiano Avialis. Aovialis. Something like that. Cristo. He, um, puts titles like Marjorie Taylor Greene dragged off uh, and dragged away to prison from the Congress floor. And I click on it saying, and it's not even close to this story. I mean, he's always, every single video he puts out, finally I like comment on it. Dude, you got to stop lying to me or I'm going (laughs) to not just so unsubscribe, which I unsubscribe immediately. Start making videos that tag him in it saying that like, he's been like brutally murdered by a pack of like capuchin monkeys or something. Yeah. He got the Gaddafi (laughs) effect. Where they shoved the yeah. sword up his ass. Well, you know, something, <laughs> something, something ridiculous that uh, can't be construed to be conveying a material fact. But back, back to the the uh, the um, the YouTube ad stuff. Uh, do you make those videos thinking like the first four seconds is important, and all you want them to do is click the button to go to wherever you Depends want? Depends what the ad is. Depends what the ad is. But yeah, that's. Um, you know, like if I'm, if I'm promoting a show, for example, you know, um, like an, a live, a live show, like comedy show, then I'll cycle kind of between two different ones. One 
uh, I'll do where it starts out with saying this, you know, let's say it was in Sandy Springs, Georgia, right? Just north of Atlanta. Um, I would be like, Sandy Springs, there's a new show in town. And I would have the voiceover sort of start out with that. And I would start with a splash image in that first five seconds that shows like the logo of the place that's going to have it. And like, 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 you know, the show poster basically. Right. But in like, you know, 16 by nine form, right. Maybe have pictures of all the comedians, you know, together, their headshots crop, you know, have it all PNG knockout and put all the graphic design together and have it look nice. So all of that information is in a neat little package, put in right the first five seconds and it says Sandy Springs. And then I target that ad specifically in Sandy Springs. Wow. So the only people that will see that ad are people watching YouTube in that city that are likely less than a mile from where that venue is. Some oftentimes are within a mile. That so changed the, because so last time hook, I was last time I done, had done YouTube advertising, you couldn't geolocate like you could on Facebook. So that's well, a, yeah. Yeah, it's you definitely can. Um, you go through the if you go through the Google Ads Manager, uh, you'll see you'll see those options. And if you if you ever want like a free tutorial kind of thing, man, like we can absolutely do that sometimes. I like, think I'll, we should put together like an online class for that. Yeah, I've, I, I've been working me. on one for a long time, and I I have I have a class that I've already like put together on. It's on my website. It's not available for people to look at yet, but it's pretty much done. How much? Um, how much budget do you think I, I, I to, to promote this show? To promote this show, I would say you could probably get away with fifteen dollars a week for your like baseline, like you're just baseline, and then depending on the guest that you have, um, obviously don't spend a bunch of money for a guy like me. I'm I'm a nobody. Um, yeah, I, I was just thinking in general because I yeah, never in general. And yeah. but what I'm saying is every once in a while, like yeah, if you get Robert Klein or Doug Stanhope or Jackie Marling or some, you know, you get somebody with some you know prestige oh. to their name in their career, then th- th- I, I, I want to get like Bill Burr because I think I'm playing chess. Yeah, if you got Bill Burr, then you should you know, yeah, I'd probably spend like two three hundred dollars letting the whole world know he's going right. to be on your show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there's, and the reason for that is, is are a couple of reasons. Um, one is it's an accomplishment for you. So like, yeah, you should let people know that. But uh, uh, another reason is let's say that you're putting this ad out to a specific demographic of people. You're there's two factors going on here. One is the mere exposure effect. That is that just by simply seeing a brand repeatedly, you will remember that brand good or bad. Right. You, it will make an impression on you right. and, and you will be aware of what that brand is. That's um, what radio advertising is all about. Just overdo, oversaturating all day long, running the same commercials till it's stuck in your brain. Every it's time stuck you in know. your brain. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, that's called the mere exposure effect. Large, very, very large firms. That's essentially all they do. Uh, Coca-Cola. Right. It's just mere exposure. Effect. They just flood the market. Their market penetration, you know, it's like the second most understood word in the whole world behind OK is Coca-Cola. And you just to I mean? your, so, your point, the minute you said Coca-Cola, I saw the logo in my. Yeah, you, right. <laughs> exactly. And that's the mere that's the mere exposure effect. So just simply by getting your brand out there, um, it helps. Um, now, when you have something that's like Bill Burr, right, that would be. That would be Bill Burr is a keyword. Okay. Right. If, yeah, you go, if you go if you go right now 
and you type in John Locke and as a keyword, you're not going to, that ad is not going to really service to anybody, right? You might get a few people if I'm like running a show in Atlanta and, and I've got ads running and, and my face is on a billboard. Somebody might be like, well, who's this guy? And then Google, you know, Google my name, right? John Locke and comedian or whatever. And then look at, and then once they've typed in that keyword in Google, now, next time they go to Facebook, they're going to, they have a high probability of seeing my ad. Right. Right. So if you search something on Google, it's the same as looking for it on YouTube. You, you go on the same list. Right. So basically what it means is you're saying anybody in this geographic area that searches for any of this lengthy list of keywords, any of which are like, you know, stepping on a landmine. Like if you, if you Google Bill Burr and you live in, you know, Sandy Springs and I have Bill Burr booked, obviously you're going to see Bill Burr. Now I use it where I say, okay, let's say I book a comedian that I feel is reminiscent to Bill Burr. I'll use Bill Burr as a keyword because you like Bill Burr. You'll probably like this comedian and be more likely to like that joke. I put in the first five seconds that hooks you in. And then you buy a ticket to go see a comedian that you're probably going to like. Right. right? As opposed to, putting, you know, so another comedian that's nothing, you know, putting like Emo Phelps or something. It's like nothing like Bill Burr. If you really like Emo Phelps, you might not really like Bill Burr. It's a completely right. different vibe. Um, so, so going back to doing your show, what I would do is very much the similar thing is, you know, if you have a certain type of comedian on, then you should appeal that guest to keywords of people that would be searching things to be like, okay, well, what are the people that would like this guest Googling? Right. Or, or where might they be geographically? If you have a, a comedian from Las Vegas on, um, then you might want to run more ads in Las Vegas saying, you know, Las Vegas comedian on this podcast or something. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, that would help that would help the guest um so it would it would be a really strong incentive to come on your show too especially if you're running that because it's like oh yeah i'm going to get this this whole back end of um of exposure that um that i otherwise wouldn't be getting and it helps you kind of make sure that you're getting the right people to watch at the right times um because somebody that's watching me right now you know, might it's enjoying it or getting something out of it, you know, might not care, you know, what an author, you know, was doing or uh, somebody watching music, you know, might not care about comedy. Um, sorry, I got to sneeze. That's right. Achoo! Achoo! God bless you. Um, but even, yeah, if, even if you're an atheist, God bless you. Because <laughs> that's just a natural response. Somebody like, how do you, how do you always say, uh, you know, thank God if you're an atheist? Well, because it's just a, it, it's natural. It just comes out that. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying uh, with uh, talking in the keywords and all that stuff, and, and what's important. That's uh, good advice, and I will, I would definitely take you up on the uh, uh, idea of uh, a tutorial on what to do. Uh, you know the the video, the actual video ad is the <laughs> is the toughest part for me. I want to run past. If you got a couple more minutes, to, to oh hang. yeah, go for it, man. Uh, well, I don't uh, have anything but you know, my Bill Burr fantasy strategy. Now, getting them on is the, the the difficult part, but I think I played chess 
uh, at this point to know that if I do get him on, and I will, I will try to piss him off because I think pissing him off it will get most most exposure because people love to post Bill Burr rant against Philly. They love to repost anytime he's been rude to a, a well, podcast. Well, you know, I, I don't know if Bill's watching this right now, but that might not be the best strategy no. to play to to show your hand this early. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, he's definitely not <laughs> watching, he's not watching this now, which is why I feel comfortable in doing this. But I feel like I got him in a corner. He has to be. Cool cool to me because he hates talking about Philly. He hates when people bring up Philly. He hates talking about Theo Vaughn when he was, or Evan Weiss, whatever, H H3 guy. He hates talking about those interviews where he was rude to those people. So he can't be rude to me or, or dismissive to me because he knows he's just going to create another one of those in his future where people bring it up. Oh, that time you dissed mind dog. So <laughs> I, and I would say that to him, you gotta be nice to me because this is all just going to create another one of those things where, uh, yeah, where you're you, not. Nice. If you, if you hate me, you have to be nice to me so you don't blow me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's, that is a mental chest. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would, I think I would say that to him. Like you're in a corner here. You got to be nice to me, or else this is going to be another Philly, and you know you how, how you hate talking about Philly, <laughs> and you're going to make yeah. my career. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's I, I don't know. You catch more bees with honey. Um, I, I, I if you're going to do that, I wouldn't say that you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I keep that in your back pocket. I'll take that under consideration. I, you know, I'm just brainstorming this stuff, and it, 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 to me, it sounds idea. like it sounds like a win. Uh, but you know, well, I mean, that's honestly, why I bounced like, it off you. <laughs> well, if I if, okay, so if I was running a podcast and I got and I had Bill Burr on it, um, I, I feel like I would naturally piss him off somehow. Um, that's what I I know I would. I know yeah. I would. So I want to get ahead of that. That was that was my <laughs> thinking. I know he's going to think I'm a dick at some point, like because he does turn to look down on people who are not on his level, and I'm definitely not anywhere near on his level. And he would look down on me. So to get ahead of that, I would tell him, "Listen, no matter what you think of me, you got to be nice to me. You don't want to. You don't want to make my career, <laughs> make me famous because people because you were rude to me, and that's all people want to talk about." Then, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, like. <laughs> I can write mean punchlines about anybody if I really wanted to, you know? So like, I don't know. I, I feel like shade humor is sort of like the lowest form of humor to a large extent. So like, I don't know. I, I also think that you kind of run the risk of it devolving. If you actually genuinely strike a nerve and piss the guy off. Oh yeah. Um, That like there can get to a certain point where it's like, it's not in good spirits anymore. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. I mean, when that thing what he, he did with uh, Theo Vaughn, it was it, I felt for the guy. And you know, Theo's trying to just establish I, I, some I'm rapport. Not aware of what happened with that? Oh, he was yeah. just trying to establish some rapport with him, saying, you know, I, I hear you like this, and I hear you like that. And it's like, what is this? I thought we were talking about my. I'm here to promote something. Are we going to talk about that? And and Theo kind of like withdrew into his shell. And the more he withdrew into his shell it became a bullying session and I, it was not in good faith. It was not in good spirit. And uh, Theo actually said he had to go to therapy because of that, <laughs> that put him in therapy. That one podcast episode, he felt like he was beaten up by Bill Burr. He wasn't on his level yet. This was a little bit in the past and he wasn't, you know, Theo Vaughn wasn't blown up. Yeah. Yet. 
it's I don't know. I I think that that happens a lot. It's like almost a knee jerk reaction with comedians in particular. But every every artist I feel like is guilty of it on some level. Um, and that is that like once you feel really proud about your art and what you can do, it can feel like when you when there's somebody that's just coming up that doesn't have those skills, it's really easy to be like, well, you're an idiot, you're a moron, you're you suck. Um because you have had those skills for so long. Like they're in your DNA at this point. Right. Um, like you'd pass it on to your kids probably um, <laughs> because you, you know, you know, to move the microphone stand when you take the mic out of the, the you know, the crotch or whatever. Like it's, it, it's like you, you don't say, um, every other word. Um, that's, that's like basic um it, it's just like you understand certain things and so it becomes much easier to judge on this level we're not even fully aware of uh and that just seems like something that you know if you're to the point where you're hosting saturday night live and able to make the whole country laugh with like gay and racial stuff like in pr during pride or whatever <laughs> You know, you're at this. You're you're at the pinnacle of 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 prowess of writing, delivery, understanding where the line is. It's like I can understand how somebody like that could very easily look down, not even intentionally, on yeah. somebody um, that's just sort of it just becomes an annoyance to them, where you know the, uh, either incompetence or. It, yep. it's, it's like it, it, it 60 first, seconds into the interview, he, he had the thought, why did I say yes to this? And you can yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, I don't know. I, I could see how somebody could pretty quickly not, I, I don't know, like dismiss somebody, you know, yeah, like you yeah, look yeah, at somebody yeah. that's, you look at somebody that's not on your level and this person's completely irrelevant. They're, you know, they're so low in the totem pole that you don't even feel bad, you know, eviscerating them basically um, because they're just, they're that trivial in your mind. Um, I could see how that could happen, especially with somebody that's at the level of, of Bill Burr. Yeah. Stan Hope um, is just the opposite. Stan Hope, he won't, he won't burn you down until he knows you well enough uh, to burn you down. I feel he burned me down pretty much immediately when i met him but, oh, not, really? but not in a mean not just a i it was more just a like you know i was wearing this goofy ass you know like track suit and 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 he just like ripped into me or whatever about it and like just immediately and like i also like was like the last in line to like get merch or whatever he's like oh you're that weirdo last in line because you want to talk to me or some like like we're gonna be <laughs> you know I mean? like, oh, yeah. and i was like oh yeah it's funny like yeah you got me to a p to a t or whatever you got a yeah, cigarette? Come with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's he like... got me pretty good within the first five minutes, too, because I shared the story with him that I I, I reached out to uh, Chaley and I said, uh, who do I have to blow to get Doug Stanhope on my podcast? And there he was. He goes, Chaley's awesome, man. He goes, Chaley doesn't want your mustache dying in his pubes anyway. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. That's a so, great one. Um, uh, 
while I got you here a few more minutes, I want to uh, talk about what I was talking about before I, I had you on is during COVID, there was a lot of talk about this creative boom that was going to happen when it was over. And I feel like in some sense, I'm seeing that, I don't know, here, we are seeing a lot more opportunities, a lot more venues open up. So I feel like that's a positive sign. And I, after seeing so many clothes and all, for years and years and decades, all I know is co- stories about comedy clubs closing and theaters closing and all this kind of stuff. And now we have some opening up. We have Sticks and Stones this weekend. I'm going to keep promoting that in Southampton. Um, but on the other, on the flip side of that, th- last night I got three different emails from comedy clubs that saying uh, we have free tickets for tonight for this, you know. So they're having empty seats and this. So we're opening up new clubs, but existing clubs are giving away tickets they would no- normally sell. I don't know what the mixed message. What is what is your take on this idea of? a creative boom happening post uh, trauma traumatic uh, well i think a couple of things happen one um everybody started consuming more of their entertainment and media uh, online and in their homes uh you saw that with movie theaters that you know basically will never recover i've got a friend of mine who's creative director at a theater in sandy springs actually and um and it's just like, yeah, it came back a little bit, but it's, it's there, you know, there are no more independent theaters basically anymore. Like in wow. Georgia, there's, there's two, I think there's two theaters in the entire state of Georgia that are not owned by either like AMC or Regal or whatever. Like just somebody that can put on whatever they want, whatever they want. Uh, that's just a normal movie theater, for example, like that's gone. And that's, that's likely the trend all over the country. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in Atlanta, you know, Sandy Springs is like a rich part of town in a like, you know, in a fairly large city, you know, uh, or metropolitan area. So, uh, so that's why they've been able to survive, but all over the rest of the country, like we've seen a culling of, of movie theaters. And that's because even after COVID, nobody really wanted to go to the theater anymore. You know, like they can just watch it at home. Our, our TVs have gotten massive. Um, so you think that started before COVID though? Oh, for sure. It started before COVID. The trend started before COVID, but COVID was just a full on, you know, pushed pushed everybody. Like we didn't have a choice. If you wanted to laugh for like a a two week stretch, if you wanted to laugh, you had to put on, you know, you had to watch it on TV. You had to watch it on the internet. If you wanted to consume content, if you wanted to listen to a live band, you know, quote unquote live, You'd have to watch, you know, stop making sense by the talking heads on DVD. You know what I mean? Right. Like you would yeah, have yeah. to, you would have to watch something digital um, in the comfort of your own home and whatever. And I think a lot of people got accustomed to that. You know, like I can eat what I can eat the dinner I want to eat and smoke, you know, whatever I want to smoke and drink yeah. whatever I want to drink at whatever yeah. the cheapest price I can get it for is, and I can scratch my dog on the head while I do it, and and that's tough for you know that's that's all of those things are not something that a comedy club or a live music venue can really provide yeah if you think about it it's sort of the opposite of that like you gotta shower get dressed get your wallet and your charge your phone and you gotta do all you make make sure your car has gas and don't get a dui in the way home and and all of this stuff um just to go out and have a little entertainment when you could just push a button 
And but people what, who are socially awkward and don't don't really love the social experience, it becomes even more pronounced that, hey, I, you know, this is my excuse to never have to do that again. <laughs> well, and, and here's what I would also say is that, you know, I, and I can't speak specifically for these these clubs, uh, for every club, obviously. But um, I can tell you right now, I don't see any YouTube ads for the comedy clubs in Atlanta. You know, I, I don't know about other places, but like. I see Facebook ads. I don't see any YouTube ads. So like what I'm also saying is that a lot of these places that are struggling are probably also not taking the extra step to think, well, if everybody's watching their content online at home, couldn't I just use advertising to reach them where they are and, 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 and pull them back. Um, and so rather than just being like, Oh, nobody wants to go to the show anymore. Just be like, okay, well, if you're watching Hulu, how do I get ads on Hulu? How much does that cost? How can I make that worth my while? Um, so I, I, I think that we're it's an uphill battle. For sure, it's an uphill battle. But I think it's a battle that some people are already starting to win, um, myself included. I mean, I had like 105 pre-sales on my last show at a, like a little brewery in Lilburn. Um, and I was able to do that with YouTube ads. And, you know, there's I'm, there's a guy up in Canada right now that's, I don't want to say any specific names or whatever, um, just because I've been helping the guy out and he's been hired to do a lot of their advertisement. And um, but anyway, um, he's he's helping, you know, he's basically doing the advertisement for a, a, a tour for a headliner up in Canada. And um, and he wants to know, you know, more and more and more about, you know, how do I do what I do? And and and, you know, what are the what are the benefits um, how do I do it without spending too much money? And, and, you know, how should I construct it? You know, can you send me copies of the ads you've made so I can kind of make one that's similar? And, and so there are people that are figuring it out and a lot of them are not the clubs. Uh, they're not the ones that have been around because I think a lot of the clubs and venues have been lulled into the sense of complacency because they never had to do that before. And so they don't understand why they have to do it now. Um, even though it's like it's really important to do now post COVID, right. yeah, um, like more important than like it would have been good for them back then, but like now more than ever, it, it's supercharged. Online advertising has been supercharged by COVID, so it, it's just it's one of those things where you you kind of have to just convince people that like here are the numbers, here's what here's how much money I spent, here's how many tickets I sold, this is the advertisement that I did. I'm, I'm making, you know, 20, 30 times my investment every show, you know, um, if you show somebody that on paper, then that can be very convincing. And, um, and a lot of people will kind of jump on that, but it's usually not the people that feel like they're already in a position of authority and power that they can control stuff. Oh, I've always managed this club or, or whatever you have these that, this is the way we do it because this is the old way we've always done it is a definitely a, a business failure yes. uh, type of yes mentality. yes it's a, it's a <laughs> definitely one of those things where somebody who's you know i've been managing this place for 30 years it's like well that means you've probably got a really old school way of doing things that doesn't really pan out like you think it will these days um and some people are going to get with it and some people aren't and it's unfortunate for the ones that aren't but i i don't think it's unfortunate for the industry as a whole 
because I think it's the people that are incapable of growth are also the ones that hold people back the most and hold the industry back the most with pay and scheduling, booking, you know, benefits, travel benefits or perks, you know, buying a hotel room for you. It's the people that cut corners that don't provide the things they should be providing and strive to, you know, make their productions better and better to make their promotion better to elevate their performers. It's not just you coming to work or work for free or put in your dues. Um, it's, it's, well, when you work for me, I'm going to elevate you so that the next time I book you, we can sell the tickets for $5 more. Um, yeah. or we can sell twice as many tickets because now you're more of a name. Um, that's the sort of thing that a lot of these people that are, you know, they're not doing advertisement the right way. What it means is almost categorically means that they're also not really providing what they should be to the performers because promotion and exposure is one of the things performers should get out of being booked. And if you're not providing that, you know, you're, you can think that you're a savvy business person, but one, you're not marketing yourself and you're not marketing the comedian or, or musician as the case may be. And as a result, you get, you get tepid results where people, you know, they don't really care. Right. Um, they're not impressed or they don't even know it's happening in the first place because it's word of mouth. Um, man, you just, you just, uh, like, uh, like a, uh, bad tooth with a nerve exposed. You just, you, you hit one on me because just recently or within the last couple of weeks on a Thursday night before a Saturday night gig, I had a venue, uh, contact me and say, can you, uh, do a poster for the show this Saturday night. On a Thursday night at midnight, we had a show on Saturday night. Can we do a poster for it? And I'm like, we've advertised to our fan base completely. I have events out there. I have, you know, I've put advertisements on social media and stuff. You're waiting to the Thursday night before Saturday night at midnight on Thursday night contacting me. You haven't done any promotion to your on your part for your venue because we've reached all our fans all our fans know about this already this is for you and your venue and you're counting on me to do that work and i felt like man beyond disrespectful it's just stupid of you uh as a business owner not to be promoting your business to your base yeah <laughs> and yeah, man. It's, it's, it's crazy i mean like i i come across venues that still don't have a website and and it just it blows my mind on some level, but again, it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about Bill Burr. It's really easy for someone in my position to look down and be like, oh, you're stupid. You're an idiot. You're not doing YouTube ads with geofenced locations and keyword targeting. You know, like that's practically another language I'm speaking. Yeah, you know, but a flyer, so just, a, flyer but, so, a flyer for your own base, I think, and asking the band to do it yeah, two nights yeah, before. When I've been, I actually was promoting it months before and, you know, dripping it out in stages, yeah. but had hard be two weeks before and then a week before and all that stuff. And People now get lazy. La venue owners are lazy. Yeah. They want to do the least amount of work possible for the most amount of return. And a lot of times they don't realize that if you put nothing in, there's nothing to get back out. You're, you're, you're multiplying by zero. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, my my partner was really upset with me because I said, "Tell him fuck you." I said, it's, "It's midnight on a Thursday night. You think I'm staying up to two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning doing a flyer for this guy? I mean, I'm not 
the world's greatest graphic artist or, or fastest graphic artist where I can just put together a flyer like this anyway. You expected me to do this extra work. Am I getting paid for this? I'm, I'm working for him now, marketing his place. And I was right. all upset about it. Oh, you can't be rude to a venue. I'm like, well, I, I think I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I would do in that situation, what I would do in that situation is I would just say, oh, yeah, absolutely, I can do that. Um, But my poster guy charges me 50 bucks. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. So just let me know. I'll get my graphic guy on it. We'll knock that poster out. No problem. Just Venmo me 50 bucks to get it done. Yeah. Uh, And they're like, oh, no, no, I want you to pay for all of it. You know. No. No, that ain't happening. Well, then, uh, well, then I need to negotiate a higher guarantee. You are a uh, valuable resource to the community. I thank you for for continuing you as well. You, to do you are you also do. an invaluable resource to our community, Matt. So yeah. I appreciate everything you do. Thanks well, for having me. Thank, thanks for showing up on short notice and and and, and all this stuff. It's all valuable information. And, and being see if, I can, see if I can make the green come out. Uh, I got a pretty good key going. I don't know? see any green. Oh, you have to look. Yeah, if I. If I, it in like this. my hair or my hair you can see it. it's pretty good key it's pretty good yeah. craig yeah. said something he'd never seen that much hair behind in front of my backdrop before which is a kind of a mean thing for a friend to say but yeah well. anyway anyway thanks for being here uh have a of great course, day and good luck see you man till next time bye john Lockin, folks good stuff there I'm going to take a break, but yeah, you know what? I'll take a break before telling you what's coming up this weekend at uh, Sticks and Stones. I'm going to play you a little bit of uh, my coffee commercial because I'm stuck on Koa Coffee. I do have other sponsors I got to get into the rotation, uh, and I'm surely lacking on that. It's a matter of time and energy, but Koa has been a loyal sponsor, and for good reason, I love their coffee. I don't just say I love their coffee. I really love their coffee. I drink it every day. I'm drinking it right now. And you should try it. Try Koa Coffee. You'll love it. Believe me. You can trust me on it. This episode is brought to you by Koa Coffee. If you are a coffee connoisseur and want to experience the best coffee Hawaii has to offer, no blends, no compromise, try the true taste of Aloha. Koa Coffee produces premium Hawaiian coffee, hand-picked, expertly roasted and delivered from Hawaii to your door with Aloha. From award-winning 100% Kona coffee grown on the slopes of the Mauna Loa volcano to the unique mocha beans of Maui, they strive to provide their loyal customers with the best quality and freshness. Since 1997, Koa Coffee has been known far and wide as a product of utmost quality and their awards prove it. Koa Coffee was featured in Forbes' Top 10 Coffees of the World. This is the coffee Forbes called the best coffee in America. Find out what it's all about. Go to minddogtv.com slash coffee. You're listening to Coffee with a Dog on Live 365 Mind Dog Radio. My, my dog is your mind's best friend. It is your mind's best friend. Unfortunately, it's not your body's best friend. Uh, this week, Sticks and Stones Comedy Club, sticksandstonescomedyclub.com. On Friday night, June 30th, Carmen Lynch will be headlining. Uh, you know, Carmen from you know, late night television. She's been on uh, Jimmy Fallon. I think she's been on the other Jimmy. 
what the hell is the other Jimmy's name? His name is I'm having senior moments. Uh, but she's been everywhere on television. And then uh, Saturday night, Jordan Rock uh, will be uh, the headliner at uh, Six and Stones Comedy Club. And Friday, Jeffrey Gurian, who will be, I think he's hosting that night. He might be uh, featured. I don't know. He's, he's on the bill um, Saturday night. We'll be with my guest Friday morning here, and we'll be talking about that. There is a comedy workshop that is being offered there. It's absolutely free by Eddie Brill at the club, Sticks and Stones Comedy Club. Eddie Brill is hosting a comedy workshop. I'm going to be taking that. You can come and hang out with me. Why am I taking that? Uh, not necessarily because I'm planning on doing stand-up comedy, although always a possibility, I guess. Um Anyway, uh, I think it, it it will be it's the stuff you learn in the class, and I wanted to talk about John, but we about comedy classes with John and the value and all that stuff. It's you know the skills you learn in those can be uh, classes can be applied to a whole lot of different areas, not just business wise, but personal wise, especially if you're socially awkward. Things you learn in a comp. Oh, what's going on with the voice? Uh, things you learn in a comedy class can be very helpful in a wide uh, variety of areas in your life. So, you know what? I'm going to apply a lot of that, what I learned in there, hopefully, to what I do here and just maybe just in everything I do. Uh, Eddie Pepitone and JT Habersat will be uh, at the club this summer. Tom Cotter, Liz Melly. Uh, so, we got quite a few uh, cool people coming up there. And hopefully, uh, Many more to come, many, you know, recognizable names and, and headliners. Uh, and maybe beyond the weekend, we'll be starting to book up some week, uh, midweek stuff or later in the week stuff. So, uh, keep an eye on that. Six and Stones Comedy Club.com. I will be there. I have a day gig on Saturday, which ends probably about seven, which is an hour and a half from the club. So, I'll probably be at the Saturday night show for the late show 9 30 show on saturday night jordan rock uh looking forward to that so come hang with me there and support new comedy clubs and new uh comedy opportunities venues no matter where they are whether it's a coffee shop near you or um i don't know an auto detailing place people are having comedy in the strangest of places now anyway uh that is the show for you today i appreciate you being here we have now we have a full week ahead and i don't want to go through everybody who's on this week but we have quite a full uh full week booked up because i said that about the three people who stiffed me uh and more than made up for those three people so uh i don't want to go down the whole list because it will take forever that's the show for today have a great rest of your day I uh, hope it, uh, if it's too hot where you are, I hope it cools off. If it's not hot enough, I hope it heats up. And I hope you stay out of tornadoes and uh, floods and all the kind of crazy stuff that's going on. Uh, and uh, while you're at it, don't forget to watch. I'm going to push the wrong button again. Turn on your radio. Have a great day. Bye for now.
to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.